One of my favorite figures from history is Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is perhaps best known as being the Prime Minister of Britain during World War II. And, and without Churchill at the helm, I, I think it's, uh, the odds of the Allies defeating the Nazis in that war were significantly lower. Winston Churchill was a tremendous leader, but more than that, he was also a master with words. He had a very, very quick mind, and his words flowed very powerfully and very eloquently from both his mouth and from his pen. Let me give you a few examples of quotes from Winston Churchill. This is one of his famous ones from the war. He said, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Churchill provided the rally cry that Britain needed in the face of defeat. Churchill also said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. No, a lot of food for thought there, a lot of practical wisdom. And his words are oftentimes filled with practical wisdom. He also said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Definitely something to chew on there. Also, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. That, that explains a lot. I mean, it's stuff to really to mull over in our minds. There's a lot of wisdom here. Now, Churchill, he was a politician himself, but he had a very interesting view of politicians. He said a politician needs the ability to foretell what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year, and have the ability afterwards to explain why it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely some truth there. Uh, Churchill had a very, very high view of himself. He once said, I am easily satisfied with the very best. I mean, who wouldn't be? Um, he also said, we are all worms, but I do believe that I am a glow worm. <laughs> Again, he, he had no, no qualms with, with expressing his blunt opinion. At times it came across a bit arrogantly. One time uh, he was asked by a reporter if he is ready to meet his maker, meaning God. His response famously, I am prepared to meet my maker, whether my maker is prepared for the great <clears throat> ordeal of meeting me is another matter. <coughs> now, there was a quote that I read that actually made me chuckle more than any other quote because I'm a person who uh, works with words a lot. And the quote says this, ending a sentence with a preposition is something up with which I will not put. <laughs> Grammatically, it's completely correct. It doesn't sound quite right, does it? Something up with which I will not put. Now, Winston Churchill was known for being very blunt, for saying exactly what was on his mind, and at times it wasn't very kind. He had a long-term feud with another member of parliament named Lady Astor. And at one point, Lady Astor said to Churchill, Sir, if you were my husband, I would poison your coffee. <laughs> Churchill's response, Madame, if you were my wife, I would drink it. I mean, you have the feud going both directions right there. But you, you see his quick wit. And here's another one that's a little bit more biting. Um, one time at a social gathering, another female member of parliament said to Churchill, Winston, you are drunk, and what's more, you're disgustingly drunk. 
Churchill fired back at her, Bessie, my dear, you are ugly, and what's more, you are disgustingly ugly. But tomorrow I shall be sober, and you will still be disgustingly ugly. We laugh, but that's not very kind, is it? But I think Churchill epitomizes the power of words, where he uses his words to inspire a nation to greatness. He uses his words to tell timeless wisdom that can still benefit us here today, decades after he passed away. But he also frequently used his words to cut other people down. That's the essence of words. The tongue has the power of life and death. I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, you may have heard the phrase that says, May I speak freely? Or, can I be honest with you? These are phrases that you hear, and when you hear those phrases, it frequently means someone is asking for permission to speak exactly what's on their mind without worrying about tact or without worrying about consequences. They just want to lay it out there. Now, we live in a nation that has the right of free speech, and that is definitely something to be valued. But... We have to recognize that when we speak, we need to speak wisely because our words are never free of consequences. Let me pray for us and we'll look at Ephesians chapter 4. Our Father, we thank you that you give us your word, scripture, a word of, of absolute truth to lead us in the direction that you want us to go, to give us instructions for how to have a renewed relationship with you, a, a reconciled relationship with you through Jesus. And also as a result of of your grace working in our lives through Jesus that you want to transform us. And your word gives us instructions of how to live that transformed life in accordance with your will and your purpose and your glory. And so I pray this morning that you will give us hearts that are ready to hear what you have to say to us. And then take it and put it into practice. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is getting very practical about what it looks like to live a life As a follower of Christ. Verses 22 through 24, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this points to the fact that when we come to faith in Christ, we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and this should have a deep transformative effect on every single aspect of our lives, including our words. Paul makes the application over in verse 29. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this verse really contains the standard for what our words should be like if we are followers of Christ. We are to intentionally use our words to benefit others. All of our words that come out of our mouth should be for that purpose. So back to that question, may I speak freely? God's answer is no. If you are a follower of Christ, you are to use your words in a way that benefits others. You are not just free to speak whatever you wish, whatever comes to your mind. Instead, you are to use your words for a specific purpose to benefit others. And a part of that means that we need to avoid unwholesome talk. Verse 29 starts out, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It's pretty plain. 
This idea of unwholesome in other, other parts of the Bible refers to things that are rotten. Rotten trees, rotten fruit. You think about something that's rotten, it's kind of useless, it's, it's kind of nasty. And these unwholesome, nasty words can really mess people up. I mean, I think of various examples of these unwholesome, nasty words. One example is abusive language. Language that is insulting or harsh or vindictive. And when you think about Churchill's words to those women, that fits in this category of insulting words. I can promise you that those women did not leave those conversations feeling encouraged. They didn't. Because those were words of insult. Another form of, of language is not just abusive language, but vulgar language. Vulgarity refu- refers to the content of our, of our words that is inappropriate. Frequently, vulgar language is referring to something that has sexual connotations that are inappropriate. It might refer to profanity. It might refer to taking the Lord's name in vain. Unfortunately, many people feel like they can't really be funny if they don't use perversity or profanity. I think back um, how when I was growing up in my house, my, my family pretty much never used profanity. But then I got to college, and, and it was all around me. And so over the months, I began to use it a little bit more as well. And one of the things I, I figured out in my mind is, you know what, when I use profanity, my words seem to carry a whole lot more impact. But we have to recognize that even if our words can get a laugh out of someone, or even if it feels like, you know, using these types of words gets more impact and, and more effect and gets their attention more, that doesn't mean that it's right or good to use vulgar type of language. Remember back in verse 24, Paul said that God created us to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. This means that it should have an effect on the way that we speak. In all parts of our lives. Unfortunately, it's, it's pretty common knowledge that a lot of people speak differently when they're at church on a Sunday morning than they do during the course of the week in their homes or their workplaces or among friends or in school. That shouldn't be the way it is. There should be integrity in how we speak in all places, and it should reflect God's righteousness and God's holiness. So we are not to use abusive language, vulgar language. Uh, Another form of of unwholesome talk is slanderous words. Slander is the spreading of lies or rumors or or things that simply shouldn't be shared with other people. Gossip is a form of slander. Another form of unwholesome talk is contempt. That's a word we may not use very much, but contempt is looking down on other people, and it comes out in the form of rudeness or disrespect. Or, or just in, in, in sarcasm frequently, that we just make these comments that just have this little bite to them, kind of like just jabbing someone a little bit with our words. And it comes through sometimes in how we talk with our spouse or how children talk with their parents or how we talk with our coworkers or even maybe how we treat a waitress at a restaurant when things aren't going quite how we'd like. It comes through in contempt. The Apostle Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But unfortunately, we live in a society that is broken, a world that is characterized by sin. And what happens then is that it pretty much becomes the norm to use our words to tear other people down. I mean, we see it on TV. We see it in schools. We see it in workplaces. We see it among government officials. We see it on social media. That's just kind of the norm. The tongue has the power of life and death. 
We see both of those, including those words of death, all over the place, all the time. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. There's an interesting uh, verse back in uh, Psalm 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That would be a great prayer to pray on a regular basis. God, set a guard over my mouth. God, help me keep, keep uh, watch over the door of my lips to filter out what's being said before it comes out. You think about in times when you're, when you're in an airport, before you can board a plane, you have to go through the security process. And there are agents there, there are, there are scanners, and what they're trying to do is make sure that no destructive items make it through onto the plane. Things like bombs, guns, scissors, knives. Because they know that if these things get through, they can cause all kinds of devastation. So they want to stop those types of items from getting through before they can cause major problems. And they're very, very intentional about it. And should we not have that same level of intentionality in monitoring and watching and stopping what may be coming out of our mouth, of filtering, of screening things, having that guard over our mouth, so that what is coming out is appropriate and honoring God rather than destructive. We can stop it before it comes out. So we need to ask ourselves, you know what, how is what I'm coming out affecting others? Bob Heine is a man who's been involved here for a number of years, and, and I've heard him a number of different times refer to five questions that he asks himself when it comes to whether or not something is appropriate to share, especially if it involves someone else. And the questions are this. Is it true? Because if it's not true, it definitely shouldn't be shared. Is it beneficial? I mean, is there benefit that comes from sharing that? Or if there's not, then probably doesn't need to be shared. Is it confidential? I mean, if it's confidential information, it should definitely not be shared. Is it necessary? I mean, especially if it involves um, saying something about someone else. I mean, is it necessary to say that? Or because if it's not necessary... There's no reason to share it. And if it doesn't fit those other criteria, there's no reason to share it either. Is it kind? Because if we can't speak with kindness in what we're saying, there's a, a significant question over whether it should be shared at all. I would add another question to that is how does this reflect on Jesus? I think especially of social media. Social media gives us the opportunity to convey our thoughts and ideas to hundreds or even thousands of people. It's a platform that allows us an audience that's much broader than anyone else in world history has had, or at least that common people like us have had. But we have to recognize that if people know that we are Christians, the things that we say on social media, the things that we share on social media, the things we click, click like and love on in social media, it reflects on Christ and on Christianity, whether we think about that or not. So we need to be screening what we're doing on social media, asking how does this influence other people's view of Christianity and of Jesus? I think we need to take a much more conservative stance on, on what we do on social media than many Christians do, because oftentimes what's done on social media, even by Christians, is not honoring at all the Christ and actually detracts people's view of what Christianity is all about. Dorothy Neville who was an author a number of decades ago, she said, the real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but to leave unsaid the wrong things at the tempting moment. To leave unsaid the wrong things at the tempting moment. That is wisdom. 
And so to speak life the way that God intends us to, we need to avoid that unwholesome talk. But that is not enough when it comes to speaking life because we also need the positive side. We need the side of actually speaking words that benefit others, that encourage others, that they really do speak life, that build others up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so speaking words of life means doing, saying what we're saying according to other people's needs. This infers that other people do have needs. That they have brokenness that needs to be healed. They have emptiness that needs to be filled. They have discouragement that needs to be encouraged. You know what? Everyone has these types of needs. And so we should be intentional in all that we're doing to speak to the needs that people have, speak words of life. They may be words of encouragement, words of complimenting, words of thanksgiving. And we need to be intentional in this. There's a story in, in the book Five Love Languages. Five Love Languages is about um, just how people give and receive love, and it's by a counselor named Gary Chapman. There's a story in there that he tells about a husband and wife that he had been working with in counseling, and the husband's name is Keith and Allison, or at least that's the names given to them in the book. And Allison, through a lot of her young life, enjoyed writing. Late in her college career, her history was something else, but she took a few journalism courses and after college, she, she would write here and there, write a few articles. She actually submitted a couple articles to a magazine for publication, but they were rejected. And that discouraged her, and so she got busy with having kids and stuff and, and just was still a bit discouraged. So she kind of set aside that writing interest for a number of years. And later on, as the kids got a bit older, she, she picked up that interest in writing again. So she would just write, but, uh, and she would write things that would be kind of like articles, but she would never actually submit them to any magazines for attempted publication because, you know, she was still kind of discouraged from years earlier. But one evening, Keith just picked up one of her articles that she had written, and he read it. And then he was so impressed with it, he went in to where, to where Allison was reading a book, and, and he said, I'm sorry to interrupt your reading, but, but I have to tell you this. I just finished reading your article Allison, you are an excellent writer. This stuff ought to be published. You write clearly. Your words paint pictures that I can visualize. You have a fascinating style. You have to submit this stuff to some magazines. Now, Allison was still carrying around that discouragement from years before, and she said, you really think so? He said, I know so. I'm telling you, this is good. And those words of life, those words of encouragement were what Allison needed to encourage her to submit an article for publication again. And these, this time and in future times, these articles were accepted for publication. She ended up, over the years, having a number of articles published. She actually ended up writing a book. And it gave her great joy. And that joy was unlocked because of encouraging words from her husband. And we all have that opportunity every day to speak words of encouragement and grace to those around us. In fact, at the end of verse 29, it says, uh, speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And literally it says, that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversations be always full of grace. Now this shows that our conversations should not only be small talk. It should be more than just talking about sports and the weather and various random stories of what's going on. Because you know what? That stuff's fine. 
But oftentimes that's devoid of, of true benefit for others. We need to be focused on, on how can we encourage other people? How can we really speak to the needs that they have, lift them up, thank them, build them up, benefit them? Now, I do want to clarify that when we're talking about, um, you know, speaking life, there are times where that might include correction or at times even rebuke. Because even that, when done with a humble heart and loving redemptive motives, those can be words of life as well. We will be getting to that in a couple of weeks. But we need to make sure that everything we're doing, everything we are saying is for the benefit of others. And it's important that, as we talked about last week, that we go beyond just trying to filter our words and we actually go down to the heart level. Because it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so we need to let Jesus transform our heart and transform our mind with his love and his grace. We need more than just a filter over our mouth. We need more than just to guard the words and stop ugly words before they come out. Because, you know, statistically, we each, on average, speak about 16,000 words per day. And speaking 16,000 words per day and trying to monitor all those words and stopping any ugly words from coming out if they're on our hearts, that's kind of like trying to pick up a, a whole bunch of sand at a beach and hold it in our hands. You, you know as well as I do that some of those grains of sand are going to slip through. And if you have ugly stuff going on in your mind or in your heart and you're trying to filter it out before it comes out, you know that some of those words are going to slip through that never should be spoken. And so we need to move beyond just filtering our words and actually get down to the heart level. And we all have soundtracks that play through our minds. Oftentimes it's unconscious that the soundtrack might be about anger or bitterness. It might be a sense of self-doubt or a feeling of inadequacy. And the soundtrack that plays through our minds influences the words that come out of our mouths. But the soundtrack that God intends for us to play in our minds is the soundtrack of his grace and of his love. And if you were to read later in this passage, you would see, let me just point out a couple things. Um, just picking up in verse 31 of, of Ephesians 4, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. He's saying, get that soundtrack out of your mind. Verse 32 of Ephesians 4, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You hear that soundtrack of love and grace? You know what? We are to forgive others, not just out of our willpower, but out of the forgiveness that God gives us. It's grace that God gives us, and that soundtrack in our mind, and the grace that fills our hearts, empowers us to give grace to others. Says, remember, love others, but just as God, as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant sacrifice. That soundtrack of grace and love, as it, as it filters through our minds, will empower our words to be gracious and loving as well, to be words of life. This does point to the importance of making sure that, that what's going into our minds is characterized by God's grace and love as well. This might mean changing practices, getting into Scripture more, changing the style of music that we listen to, uh, the people we are around, because, you know, you've heard garbage in, garbage out. So we need to monitor what is going on in our minds and replace the soundtrack of inadequacy or doubt or, 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 or slander or, or bitterness or anger. Replace that soundtrack with the soundtrack of God's grace and God's love. You know, there is so much more available to us than free speech. 
I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege and right that we have as Americans. But God offers us more than simply free speech. He says, use your words to benefit others. Remember the words of Winston Churchill? He had a lot of wisdom, even though he sometimes uses words in mean ways. One of the words, one of the things he said was, we make a life by what we give. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And and when we have the attitude of Jesus, an attitude of serving, of giving, of pouring out in others, just as God is pouring his love and grace in our lives, it can give us a purpose in life, a, a joy in life that's not available in any other way. It can help us also to bless others and to glorify God as we speak words of life to those around us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you so loved us through Christ. We thank you for your grace and your love, and I pray that you will do a work in each one of our lives to replace any feelings of anger or bitterness, grudges, doubt, inadequacy, that you will replace those with your grace and your love so that you can empower us from the inside out to speak words of life. Lord, I I pray that for each one of us, myself included, that you also guard the words of our mouth, helping us filter out the things that never should be said so that the words that we speak and the meditations of our heart will all be pleasing to you and beneficial for those around us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Please stand.